Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. Coming up with a hit viral video can do great things for you. It can bring you internet notoriety, raise awareness for an issue you believe in, or even bring a smile to a few million faces. But for my guest today, creating a viral video wasn't just about giving people a hit of endorphins. It was about promoting his brand. There's two stages of branding. There's brand awareness, and then there's brand love. Whether they, they've heard of you, and then whether they've formed an opinion of you. So a lot of people think of branding is just about getting people to know your name. And that is the, that's the first part. That's the very top of the funnel. Whereas as we talk toward the middle of the funnel, I know we're gonna talk about the channel. The channel is really about developing an opinion around your brand. And that's where the brand love comes in. My guest today is Ed Herman, managing partner at Brown and Crouppen. For nearly 20 years, Ed has been helping personal injury and auto accident slip and fall cases fight the big companies to get the compensation they deserve. But perhaps what Ed has become most known for recently is his string of viral videos. His series, Ed Versus, and Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches are regularly pulling in half a million views. Join us as Ed tells us what the secret is to creating attention-grabbing marketing content, how to avoid the pitfalls of YouTube marketing, and what you need to do to grow a successful practice. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Dreyer. Stay with us. Ed made a great point about how branding should be considered in terms of awareness and love. And this reminded me of the saying that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. Right. And those are all forms of love. Uh, trust is a form of love. Liking somebody, relating to somebody, feeling somebody is approachable, feeling somebody is competent. These are all things that fall under that umbrella of opinions about your brand. And uh, that's brand love. Absolutely. I think one of the things our audience really struggles with is, is they can't quite wrap, wrap their head around measuring ROI from the awareness type of, of marketing. What are some things that you look at to measure the success of say a billboard campaign or a bus wrap? You got to think about what the goal of each type of marketing is. If people sit there and believe that the goal of marketing is solely the end result, how many cases did you get from it? If that's what people were using as the only measure, first of all, it's almost impossible to do a complete attribution of that. But if that were really the case, nobody would ever do something like billboard. If you were just looking at how many of your clients or customers said, I signed up with you because I saw your billboard, it would never justify its expense. And yet, if you were to, instead of measuring billboards by how many cases you got, you measure it by how many of your clients were familiar with your billboards? How many of them had been exposed to your billboards, were aware of your billboards? It's an awareness play. 
it's this whole idea of a, a person needs to be touched by you a certain number of times before you're kind of cemented into the top of their mind. We just had some brain research done. And when they're doing brain research, they'll do something called um, unaided recall, and then they'll do something called aided recall. Unaided recall would be something like this. They ask a group of people, say from St. Louis or Kansas City, without any prompting, they'll say, make a list of all of the law firms that you could think of off the top of your head, okay? That's unaided recall. And some of them will write down Brown and Crouppen. I can tell you that 100% uh, of them in four different focus groups done wrote down Brown and Crouppen. And then aided recall is when they'll give you like a list of firms and they'll say, mark off whichever of these firms you've ever heard of. And obviously if we're 100% unaided, we're 100% aided, but you could also see our competition, you know, we'll take a jump. Their name is not right on the top of your head, but if you prompt them and say, well, have you ever heard of so-and-so? They'll say, oh yeah, 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 I've heard of so-and-so. And those are the kind of things you have to do to measure the effectiveness of your branding campaigns. I love that. And, that, and that's really smart. I, I actually, I hadn't heard of the aided, you know, the aided review, the unaided review, but that's an excellent way to measure the success of the campaign. Uh, and it's, it's more than that too. It's looking at just all the brand initiatives, the traditional marketing type tactics too. Right. Well, and, and, and especially in personal injury law, consider this at any given moment, a tiny, tiny percentage of the population that you're paying to put your marketing in front of actually needs your services at that time. If you're McDonald's and you want to, if you want to push quarter pounders, you can put up billboards with delicious looking quarter pounders. You can have commercials featuring the quarter pounder, and then you could look right at your sales of quarter pounders. Did my sales of quarter pounders go up? And you can get an immediate answer as to whether things worked. But in personal injury law, you can have a large population of people out there. They know you. They love you. In their mind, they've already committed to the idea that if I ever need a lawyer, this is who I'm calling. But if those people never need a lawyer, you never find out just how effective your marketing truly was. So if you know that better than 99% of your audience doesn't need you today, you got to ask yourself, what's the right message for them? You can tell them we're going to get you justice, we're going to get your money, but I don't know that that message resonates with people who don't have an existing case. You know, those are good messages for people who, who were just in an accident. That's maybe what they need to hear because they're dealing with it right now. But what message does everybody else need to hear? And, you know, in my opinion, the message that I like everybody else to have is, I like these guys. I think they're smart. I think they're funny. I think they're likable, approachable, competent. That's all you can do with a person that doesn't need you today. And I, I see it many, many times, particularly on Facebook. We'll see a, a law firm's website page, their Facebook page, and it's nothing but these FAQs, all these articles about auto accidents. You know, if I'm a consumer, I'm not wanting to see that in my feed. If well, I'm in an accident, sure. But if well, I'm I, not, I, I just agree. unfollow it. Well, I think all of that information is very important to have on your website because I do think that people that have been in an accident are going to do searches looking for just those type of answers. But putting that out as content to the general public, why would 99% of the people right now who don't need you really care much about your fees? I mean, there's no fee since they don't need you. And so these frequently asked questions, unless they're really being targeted to people who have done some type of search that leads you to believe that they do need a, a, an attorney or somebody in their family needs an attorney, 
you know, I think those are great things to pop up if somebody's done a search of how much does a personal injury attorney cost or who would be the best person to hire for my sister's case. Boom. That's when those things, they have a place. They're important. When somebody does that search, I don't necessarily want to say, oh, let's watch Ed mixing cereals. You know, you have to deliver the right message depending on what the people are doing. But if people are just browsing their Facebook feeds and they come across me mixing cereals or or doing any of the other things I do in my videos, that's what's gonna get them to stop and watch. Ed makes some fantastic points. As a lawyer, your clients don't always need you at the precise moment they're seeing your message. So it's better to make an impression, build some trust, and keep you top of mind, which Ed is a pro at. And not only is his content reaching millions of viewers and potential clients, but he's even won an Emmy for his work. I've wanted to find out why Ed makes his particular style of videos and what he has planned for the future. They've kind of taken off a little bit more. Some of them have now gone over a million views on YouTube, but most of my videos have also gotten over a million each on, on Facebook because you got to give people something they want to watch. And there's a lot of ways to do it. It's not just what I'm doing, but if you think about it, what do people want to see when they're on the internet for pleasure, which is most of what they're doing on the internet's for pleasure. We're all looking for things that either we laugh at, we want to laugh, or we want to be educated. I mean, that's basically what we're doing on there. So it's either we want to be amused or we want to learn something. If that's our spare time scrolling, that's what we're doing now. Maybe what we want to learn about is what our friends' kids look like, and you could find that out on your Facebook scroll. But basically, you're learning and you're laughing. So the stuff that we put out has got to sort of be uh, leaning toward one, one of those or the, or the other. So if we're doing um, something like Ed versus Naps, which was you know, one of the biggest hits we've had, 2.2, 2.3 million views total, that's a perfect example of one where you are learning something and you're also laughing. Uh, the serial ones, you're learning and you're laughing. Airplanes, the one that won the Emmy, you're learning and you're laughing. Elevators has been doing really well. Same idea. I didn't invent it. I'm just playing to that formula and doing my own, my own version of that. When we had lunch a while back, I went and went to your YouTube channel. I ended up watching Ed versus the Dark Knight, and it was amazing. It was entertaining. I watched the entire video. So my follow-up question to that is, is there an Ed versus Tiger King, or is there an Ed versus <laughs> Zoom video conferencing in the works? You know, th those have both been recommend suggested lately, Ed versus social distancing, Ed versus uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Zoom, uh, you know, the, the conference calls. I'm trapped at home now, like everybody else. I'm using a background of a beach, but I'm just sitting in my basement. You know, I, usually my stuff is pretty well produced. I may attempt to do something and get some footage on my phone and send it to, you know, the people that help me edit and, and put something together. I would love to do some right time content like that. I've watched the Tiger King all the way through, and I even watched the bonus feature that they just released like two days ago with the Where Are They Now interviews. So, I don't know. I, I mean, those would both be good things to kind of hit on right now. I don't know. I usually will just hit on a topic that I, I have a lot of opinions on, and I'll just start uh, jotting down bullet points like in an outline. I've got outlines on several different topics now that I just haven't shot. I have an Ed versus Uber. I have an Ed versus Snacks. I have an Ed versus Going Out to Eat. I just haven't filmed any of them. I just, I just keep compiling little 
bullet points. And then when I feel like I have enough to say on it, I'll go in and film and I just, I just rant. I, I don't have anything written out. I like to just go off the top of my head and then craft it in the editing, you know, so that it's very, um, very organic. versus it's it's crushing but many people don't know this you've also there's also three lawyers eating sandwiches very successful and, and great show yeah great show and then terry's safety squad you've got terry yeah. who's who's singing a musical in the musical episode yeah, yeah. he probably never thought he would be doing that no but yeah that's what's so fun and that's where you can be creative in your marketing i guess if i'm looking to give advice to other places you know you can take some chances and do some fun things and don't be afraid to make an impression on people. It's hard nowadays. They're getting bombarded a million different channels and streaming services and a, they're whipping through their scrolls on, on Facebook and other social media. They're looking for something different. They're looking for something to get their attention and stand out. And I think sometimes people are are afraid to be themselves and, and show whatever that is. And people are interested in just about everything. If you can make anything interesting, if you're passionate about it, because what people are going to connect with, they're going to connect with authenticity and enthusiasm. So any topic that where you can be authentic, you're speaking about something you actually care about and that you're enthusiastic about, those two qualities will always connect with people enthusiasm is contagious and people love to see other people talking about something they're passionate about because it inspires them. So, you know, anybody can do that. It doesn't have to be like the kind of stuff that I do. I know people that are like workout nuts and they take their exercises so seriously and they take their food so seriously and they have theories behind everything that they do and why they do it. And I would encourage those people get those thoughts out there on video. That's just the kind of thing people, people are looking for gurus everywhere. We're living in a nation where we don't trust elected leaders and all we really want are gurus. Be a guru, whatever that subject may be. So that takes me to my next question. So our audience is primarily personal injury attorneys and there's a personal injury attorney that wants to create a new YouTube series. And you know, everyone's doing these, FAQ videos, not that they don't have a place. They do have a place for, for those right. individuals that have that intent. So is it more about your unique strengths and, and finding that your own niche to create it? Yeah, we've worked with, because uh, Cool Fire does our production and I work closely with Cool Fire on every phase of, of our videos. I, I sit in, I do the editing with all, with their editors. I work with it and we actually have worked with other firms to find their voice, their digital voice. And it really boils down to, you know, somebody, it doesn't necessarily have to be the owner of the firm, but it's somebody at the firm who can be genuine and who has an area of interest that, that they can be truly enthusiastic about. That's why we did Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches, because we knew, first of all, people love watching food. Food is, is porn on the internet. You know, people take pictures of their food, they talk about it, they post the cooking shows, everyone's familiar. You know, you'll get, you get water cooler talk about the Great British Baking Show or Nailed It. You know, uh, I used to watch Chopped or Beating Bobby Flay. There's a ton of these shows. Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. You can just binge that all day. And so we looked at that and said, you know what? You know, we can do a lot with a show like Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches, and not just for our business. We can help out businesses that we care about, mom and pops that we care about, that are doing something really great on bread. 
we go in there and, and we're authentic. Again, we have no script. We eat lunch together every day, whether they're filming it or not, at least before the quarantine. So, you know, what we tried to do there was be ourselves and be passionate about the food in our city. And those things come out. People watch those shows. I mean, they've got 9 million views so far for that series. And for those restaurants, it's, it's been a wonder because every place that we feature gets a huge jump in business and they're very appreciative. And I think for other firms, that's my point is look at your community, look at what makes you special, look at your, your habits. Think about the stuff that people said to you that you do it a little differently than everyone else, but whatever it is, you know, whether it's uh, golf tips, whether it's a cool collection that you have that means something to you, uh, whether it's that you like to cook, you know, whatever your thing is, I promise you, if you're authentic and enthusiastic, people will want to watch it. I love that. I love the aspect of getting the community involved too, because, you know, that restaurant will want to share the video. Sure. They'll want to engage too. They'll want to have their, their servers, their, their cooks engage and comment and like. Right. They'll engage. And also, you know, a lot of food sites. There's a ton of food sites uh, in every community, foodie sites and eat stuff sites and local restaurant stuff. And, you know, we have Sauce Magazine out here in St. Louis and you get a, a group of, of pretty good local food influencers and you can get your stuff shared to a really wide audience at, re at no cost. Now, we do obviously put money behind promoting our videos. You know, you have to do that. You got to at a minimum, chum the waters a little bit, put a little kindling on and hope that things sort of catch a little organic fire. But, you know, you can't create something that you think, well, this is great, it's going to go viral and it's going to get all these views for no money. You know, you shouldn't think of, if I do it right, the internet's going to give me a bunch of free stuff. That's not how you should look at marketing on the internet. Marketing on the internet, you should look at it like any of your other marketing. How much money do I have to put behind this to get so many eyeballs to watch my content. And then what you really want to do is you don't want to judge your, your content simply by views because you, you know, if you put enough money behind it and keep it in front of the public, you're going to get views. What you want to judge it by is how people react and engage to it, you know, with it, how many people reacted on Facebook, how many people commented, how many people shared. And then on the comments, you want to respond to the comments and create a dialogue. You know, you can't do that with television. Television, people are barely paying attention to the commercials. The second the commercial goes on, they all turn their eyes to their phone. So you want to be on the phone. That's where you want to be. And you want them to watch your content for as long as possible. So, you know, with YouTube, for example, you get great metrics that they give you. How many people chose to watch your video? How long was the average duration that they watched for? How many people made it through the first 25%, the first 50%, the first 75%? That's when you really learn about what's working. You know, what are people looking for? How comfortable are they? You know, and, and how many people will watch something to the end? Don't save your most important information for the end. Really teaches you. They got, you got to hook people at the beginning. Catch them with a good laugh or two in the first 15 seconds, and you'll see that the percentage of them that hang on longer, uh, it's a lot higher. And then you get to see the total minutes. I, I, got, I didn't remember the number off the top of my head, but the total minutes that's been watched of our stuff is just, it's hard to even fathom. There are tons of nuggets there. One of the things is, you know, the different algorithms that come into play. So Amazon 
it bumps up products that get sold more. They're going to show those more. Right. For SEO, it's backlinks, it's content relevancy and things like that. For YouTube, a lot of it's engagement. So, so those things you're doing, you know, commenting, making sure that they get the, the, the likes, the shares and all of that stuff, it, it's got to have just a, a huge impact on, on their visibility and their reach. It definitely does. And, what, and then when they recommend your video, you want it to be, you know, connected to subject matters where there's other videos on the same subject. So what happens is, you know, somebody may be watching some video about Batman and you want them to recommend Ed versus the Dark Knight as the next video to view. You wind up picking up a lot of views that way. Same with the serial video. And the original serial video, and I've done a series of three of them, the original one, which we're back to featuring right now, just because I thought during the quarantine, that would be in a perfect video. People are trapped in their homes looking for fun activities with their kids. So I thought, you know what, let's bring the video, the serial one back. People can do it. You know, any kid can go in there and feel like a chef just by mixing cereals together. And it's a good activity for parents and children. So I thought, well, let me bring that back. That one, for whatever reason, always does extremely well. Like it'll go viral anytime we promote it. Anytime we promote it, the number of organic views is insane. People share it and people watch it. And the comments are always higher on that video. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but but I'm one of those individuals. I'm not sure how I found your video, but I ended up watching the Ed versus Serial. So, I mean, that's the perfect example. Let's talk about, we talked about tons of tips, tons of strategies individuals can take to get more, more exposure, to to utilize YouTube effectively. Let's talk about some some mistakes you've learned or, or, or pitfalls when you jumped into YouTube marketing. Or is, is there some things that you said, oh man, I, I, that was a mistake. I'm not going to do that again. What are some takeaways there? You know, I, I, all I can say is, is, is keep a close eye on what your cost per view is because it can vary quite a bit with YouTube and you need somebody who's going to be looking at that all the time. You obviously want to keep the cost as low as possible. You want to make sure that you're always targeting regionally some people can get really enamored with just the idea of getting a ton of views. So their instinct is, oh, you know what? I'll market this everywhere. You never know who will see it and it'll spread bigger if we go bigger. Don't do it. You're better off really hyper-focusing your, your whatever dollars you put behind, just like you would on television or on billboards. You don't go buying a billboard in some other city just because it has a huge population and a lot of people are going to see it. Who cares if some people in Los Angeles see your billboard? You don't practice there. So you want to really keep it tight. You want to really promote it so that the eyeballs you're getting are as close to the demographic that might actually hire you. And the first step of that is by doing it regionally. So you, you just want it really promoted to your region. And then drill down as far as, as they'll let you do it on YouTube, whether they can do it by income level, whether they can do things by ethnicity, whether they can do things by, you know, any demo that you think is your typical demo that's where you really want to concentrate your dollars. Get the eyeballs of the people that may hire you. Don't start thinking, because this is a common thing. People say, well, do I want to keep going after more of what I already have, or do I want to branch out into some other pond and start expanding to a group of people that have never traditionally hired people like us, but maybe they will. And my best advice on that is saturate amongst the people that will actually hire you. You're never going to have a big enough market share, most likely, to get all of that anyway. So I know it seems like, 
why do I want to be in the same pond as everyone else going after the same fish when I can go to this other pond and maybe I'll catch something? My experience is you, you never catch enough in that other pond. There's reasons why the fish in that other pond are not biting for your services. You got to stay in the pond where you know this is the group of, of fish that are going to bite my bait. And I'm going to compete with my competitors. I'm going to try to get as much of this pond as possible in my boat. And I 100% agree. You know, being an SEO nerd myself, I see a lot of the, the clients that we work with, they want to expand. So they'll take, you know, maybe they're in, let's say Atlanta and they want to go to Los Angeles. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you've got a brand in, in Atlanta. You need to think about maybe expanding your territory in Atlanta, not jumping all the way over to Los Angeles where they don't know about you. My advice to anybody who does want to go into another market, don't try to go from a smaller market to a bigger market. Yeah, you're not ready for that. You're not ready to make the financial investment that that's going to take. And even though it seems like it's bigger and there'd be more cases, there's more money spent, there's more competition, and everything is more expensive. If you want to expand, hopefully you have a good home market to begin with. My first step would be try to find a market that's comparable but slightly smaller. That's why when we started in St. Louis, Kansas City was the perfect and natural and logical place to go next. We had other options. We could have gone up and said, well, why not just throw our hat into Chicago? Nice, huge market, plenty of people. We're all licensed in Illinois. We already do a lot of business in Illinois. Why not go after the, the biggies there? But when we started doing the analysis of that, it was obvious that that really just didn't make a ton of sense for us. I think the ideal is a comparable market, slightly smaller than where you are now. If you want to go into a third market, you do that all over again comparable markets, slightly smaller, and you just can build your up your empire that way. I think if you try to get into a larger market than your your home market, I, I don't think you're, you're you're ready to take on that challenge. I just don't. There's no doubt in my mind that Ed just saved lots of people a ton of money with his YouTube and branding and marketing tips. But what other advice does he have for lawyers looking to grow a successful practice? The most important thing, the most, and this is, I, I know this is not even a question, is you have to turn all of your clients into a strong, loyal group of advocates for your firm. The most valuable commodity you have are the people that are currently using you and the people that have used you in the past. So that means you have to do a great job with their case. You have to care about them. You have to give amazing client service and you have to keep that relationship going. Never let them out of your, out of your circle. That means that you should be while you're younger and smaller and you can do this a little bit more easily. You have to be maintaining a relationship with, with everybody who's come in and not just the people you helped, even the people that just called you. Think about this. I've talked to many firms about this. There are, you know, a couple of big challenges as to why a person will never become a client of yours, okay? Maybe it's they've never heard of you, so how can they become a client? Or maybe it's they've heard of you, but they would never hire you. You know, maybe they already know a lawyer and they'd never hire you. They wouldn't even consider it. Anybody who calls your office is already over those two hurdles. They have heard of you. They would use you, right? So, Think about the value of knowing those two bits of information. You say, well, my God, for this person who called, I already have checked the first two big boxes. The only box that was left was that for whatever reason on that call, 
they didn't have a matter that I could help them with. But everything else I had, that's gold to know that. That means that every person who calls your office or interacts with you, you need to figure out how you're going to maintain a relationship with them. Even if you turn them down, there's different ways of turning people down. I turn people down all the time, but I, I, we, I explain to them the analysis and why they don't want to go down that road. And, and they're very grateful that I saved them the heartache of, of pursuing a matter that, that may not have ended favorably. And then they trust me because they know I didn't make any money from that. You know, I always tell them, I said, listen, I make money if you have a claim. I have every incentive in the world if you have a valid claim to pursue it for you. And here I am telling you that I don't know that this is going to be worth your effort. And here's why. Those people will trust me for life. So you have to take that list and take it seriously. And you got to be sitting down all the time and think about how am I going to reach out to them? What am I going to send them? How often am I going to call them? And I mean that, call them. We call, we have teams of people all day long. All they do is call former clients, checking in on them, reminding them that we're still there. We still care about them. We'll tell them about other areas of law that maybe they didn't use us for. Tell them about products that are got warnings on them or off the market. I mean, you do everything you can to cultivate the database of the people that, that knew you and were willing to hire you. That's it. Ed is so right. You need to remember that any lead that calls has already decided that you're the lawyer for them. So even if you can't help them at that moment, nurture that relationship so that they come back when you can help. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. A huge thank you to today's guest, Ed Herman, for joining us. You can find all of the links from today's conversation in the show notes. And we want to hear from you. What's the best viral marketing campaign you've ever seen? Drop us a review and share your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.